How will Florida State's recruiting be impacted by the big win over LSU in conjunction with the Florida Gators not playing so well? You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into another edition of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Brian Smith. Thank you for the everydayers that make this show their first listen each and every day. Everyone can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find it also on YouTube, part of the Locked On Network, your team, every single day. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, that is what you're looking for if you want comfortable shorts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com, Locked On College, or enter promo code Locked On College for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you, bird dogs. Now, today's show is going to be a fun one. Kind of like I, I discussed on Monday, the win has a lot of different types of impact. Recruiting is going to be a first segment. We're going to talk about the AP poll. Perception, again, is very important in college football, whether you want it to be or not. How you get ranked now probably impacts the playoff committee. They can say it doesn't, but they're human. And then down the stretch here, if you look at, say, the next two, three games before they, you know, well, I think it's two. Then they got they got the big one in Death Valley. They have to play well in areas that they didn't play well against LSU, cleaning up some stuff. Segment three is the serious talk. It is the getting into the details talk. Stick around for segment three to find out why Florida State still has a lot to do. They're not a, not anywhere near a finished product. So let's talk about the recruiting impact of this. Florida State right now, I just looked up for whatever it's worth on 24-7, number six class in the country. Pretty darn good. They have guys that everybody wants uh, in the South, up North, et cetera. They got players offered by Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, you name it, committed to play football in Tallahassee. What can they do next to make it great? And I've written down a couple of things and I kind of mentioned them in passion, if you will, moving in, in the right direction for the program based on what other teams have done lately, et cetera. D-line, they need to steal somebody on the D-line whether it's flipping somebody, whether it's uh, finding a Juco kid. Uh, I, I love what they've done, Norvell and his staff, with the transfer portal. But at some point, you're going to miss. They've, they've hit the home run as well as anybody with the transfer portal. But at some point, you're going to miss. You need to start developing more high school kids, which means you just got to flat out win across the board even more than they are in recruiting. It, it never ends. Can they do that? Yes. Do I think they will? Possibly. They're in on some guys. But I, I also think this, and I, and I led with this in, because of, of my experience with it, I led with this in the lead in to the show. I would not be surprised if they flipped one or two players from Florida, uh, South Carolina, any of the other schools down south that are struggling. Like South Carolina did not look very good. They did not against North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina held them to like practically nothing 
running the ball. They threw for 350, but they couldn't run it for anything, like 20 yards or something. I think you can look at that as a possibility. O-line, D-line in general is, is where I'm most interested. And, of course, you'll always take a big play receiver or corner, et cetera. You can move guys around. They, they've got arguably the best corner group in the class or in the country. And safety, too, Bolden. they got Charles Lester. They have some really good players. But I think they could even add more talent, move guys around. They'll figure it out. Now, how soon they could do it? That's a whole nother story. That's the first thing I always get. Well, when's this going to, there is no win with recruits. I'm just going to throw that out there and kind of move on. I'm sure somebody will still inbox me or make a post about it on, on Twitter and or on YouTube. I get it. But the key here is very simple. They have to be able to do it and do it when the kids are ready. So one or two more guys that they could possibly get that they've been after. But I think Florida, South Carolina, maybe it's another school down south. They're, they're going to flip somebody. Like the Gators are terrible. Uh, I watched that game. That was hard to watch. Uh, their defense, while stout up the middle, they just don't have enough speed on the edge like they normally do, et cetera. They're going to be lucky to get past four or five wins. They're going to lose some recruits. Maybe Florida State, and I'm not saying I don't know which one. Maybe the Knowles are that team. Maybe they can find a way to get over the hump with this class and end up in the top three or four because it looks like they're a college football playoff team. It's going to be pretty easy to recruit for Norvell and his staff. Why not poach something from the Gators class? It's a fantastic recruiting class. You got to give Napier and his staff a lot of credit. They've done a great job to this point, but at the same time on the field, the results were just absolutely garbage. And I was shocked at how bad they were. So we'll see if that plays out a uh, quick note about recruiting. I've mentioned this recently, but the 2024 class is what we're in. The 25 class is well underway. Tramel Jones, a kid I know well, plays at Mandarin. Several other kids, they're either visiting FSU, visiting and already committed like, like Jones, et cetera. This is very important time. Not only do you want to flip somebody from Florida to this next class, you don't even want them to commit there. Make the establishment now. You have to be able to do both. I know it's not fun for coaches, but recruiting is a – three to four year process now instead of one. It's unfortunate, but it is stretched out that much. High school kids of all ages are getting offers, taking visits, et cetera. It's a full-time job within itself. That doesn't even count the scouting, the actual coaching, making sure the kids are staying out of trouble. Coaching in college football has changed a lot in the last decade. Um, one other guy that I, that I want to kind of mention with all of this, and that's Luke Cromahawk. I'm going to go see him here pretty soon at the end of the month. Just want to mention that. I'm going to go see his squad, Benedictine, a really good football team up in Savannah, Georgia. Obviously, he's the quarterback in class of 24 that is committed to the Knowles. I'm looking forward to it. Going to sit down with him, interview him. I know, I know Luke well, but it's different now that he's in his senior year. He's having success again. They've got a state title. What are his goals at Florida State? How does he want to come in, wait? Uh, stories about Norvell. Anything and everything under the sun, I'm going to ask him. That's going to be end of the month. Just wanted to kind of mention that because it's very important that they keep, you know, I mean, the quarterback room always has to be good if you're going to be good. Look at the difference now that Jordan Travis has turned the corner. Ask LSU. It's important, and they're just pushing the pile, bringing in more and more good players at the signal caller position. Luke is a personal fave, too, so great kid, great family, and I, I look forward to seeing him here in the next couple of weeks. Um, before I go into segment two, this, this next segment is, is more about fun than anything else. It's projection because Clemson plays at Duke tonight or on Monday night. 
there was when, when I did this, there's nothing that I can really say about a definite poll, but I assume Clemson's going to beat Duke. And I also assume one other thing, it's not going to matter. Florida State will be ranked higher. You cannot do better, no offense to Duke, than Florida State beating LSU. And I mean, I asked somebody this earlier today, Caroline Fenton runs the Locked On LSU podcast. Name the last time LSU gave up 31 consecutive points. Just something to think about as I get ready to go into to second to this second one. It's about impossible. I mean, and I just turned 50. I don't know if in my lifetime, I really don't, if there's been a time where LSU gave up 31 consecutive points in a game. Think about that for a second. That's that's really, really, really impressive. So with that, bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. Stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit swimmer through the waist and giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as woo women, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made with stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix the issue by interventing, in, inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric, keeps you cool and dry. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion, golf, going out on a date, going out on the town, going to get something to eat, whatever it is you want to do. They can fit for any occasion. Go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on or enter promo code locked on XXX at Check out for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. I've actually got my Bird Dogs hat on today. That's birddogs.com slash locked on for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now. Let's talk a little bit about polls and the importance of everything that go with them. You can like them. You can hate them. You can judge them whichever way you want. Polls matter a lot, even the early season polls. And here's why. Perception for recruiting, what I just talked about in segment one, fair or not, kids look at the polls constantly. I don't know why that that really is. I talked to them about it. Hey, so-and-so is ranked number two, number one, who's competing with Georgia or whatever. Those are things that come up. Not all kids, but a lot of them. And when you can send out a note from Mike Norvell saying that we're in the top five or we're, we just beat the number five team, any of that kind of stuff, that's a recruiting advantage, number one. Number two, and the one more directly important, later this year, the college football playoff committee will get together and they're going to discuss what teams they think are in the top five, the top 12, the top 20, whatever, however they break it down. How many teams are going to be able to say, we smoked LSU? Florida State's going to be able to move up some. But it still helps that if early in the in the AP poll, Florida State jumps in. 
this is just my projection for what I think would happen when I when I did this. Georgia one, uh, Michigan or Alabama two. They'll be two three. However, they do it. The question is whether or not Florida State gets into number four or not. Debatable. I think so because Ohio State looked pedestrian on offense. They're trying to break in a new quarterback. They, Devin Brown is competing with Kyle McCord, McCord being the one that started. They just don't look like a normal Ohio State offense. And obviously Florida State can score like gangbusters. So despite just tremendous talent receiver, they're having some cohesion unit issues, quarterback to receiver to tie it in right now. A little inconsistent. I think Florida State goes number four. What say you drop a comment in the YouTube chat or send me an email, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm curious. I don't normally get into polls. We don't normally see beatdowns like with the one we just did a second ago. And, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised. There's the, for those of you on YouTube, there's the email if you want to send it to me, Canes and Knowles Rivalry at gmail.com. That's Canes and Knowles Rivalry at gmail.com. And if you want to look at the poll and say it's not that big a deal, I mean, that's fine, but I know what the value is. It changes what time you play games. It changes like the TV networks want the highest ranked teams in the second and third windows. Nobody likes the noon kickoffs. The students won't go because they're still half crock from the night before, whether you want to hear it or not. They're not going to get the same turnout. You need 3.30 or later games to get maximum crowd support and get recruits there. Recruits get more time to get to a game. They're more likely to attend a game. Simple as that. Where do I think Florida State's going to be overall? Once they get to the Clemson game, that, that's where it gets interesting. Michigan, their schedule is a joke, and so is Georgia's. Alabama's isn't quite as easy, but I don't think they're going to lose very much. Like especially, I, I thought early on LSU was going to be pretty good this year. Obviously, that is incorrect. They got, they have talent, but they just don't have enough togetherness, and they're not clutch. I, I can't even put my finger on it. They have a lot of issues. The corner plays I talked about, and it obviously reared its head against LSU is an issue, but. I don't think any of those teams are necessarily going to lose. We could be seeing a gridlock. If Florida State can get into the number four spot, though, that's good for now. Eventually, these teams got to play each other in some capacity, like Ohio State plays Michigan. Georgia is probably going to end up playing Alabama in the SEC title game. I know you're shocked by that. One of them has to lose. And then, of course, there's the Clemson-Florida State game, et cetera. If Florida State beats them, maybe they jump one of the other teams. You never know. Because those squads, quite frankly, and just reality, like Michigan's schedule, is just not that hard. If you beat LSU and then go to Death Valley and beat Clemson, yeah, you should probably be ranked ahead of some of the other teams. You could even make the argument that the Knowles at that point, if it did happen, they get undefeated at that point. Rank number one, merit. Did you accomplish your task? There's nothing that I can see, especially through early to mid-October, that would give a team a higher ranking than what the Knowles would do by beating LSU and then on the road defeating Clemson. We'll see. There, there are a couple other big games, but I don't think any team will have two bigger games than what, from a perception standpoint, especially Florida State will in LSU and then on top of it, Clemson. 
There are a couple others, but most of those teams are going to have to wait to play till November. The early November slate is just jammed for whatever reason. It's just kind of how it worked out with jammed with big games that are top 15 matchups. Florida States are just a little earlier. It's kind of the way it worked out. Now, the other team that I'm curious about, and I don't know how to rank them because they arguably had the best team in college football and they just put a big asterisk by them, is Southern Cal. I still think their defense stinks. I don't like their philosophy. I cannot stand how they are not physical on defense and they tackle very poorly. But Caleb Williams is on another level. He is Houdini. So I'm curious to see what the AP poll and then eventually the college football committee thinks of SC. I don't think they're going to beat Notre Dame and that'll kind of eliminate some of this. That's middle of October. But if they did and they start winning the back, their schedule is completely backloaded. Their, their front six games is very weak. That's the other team that might compete with Florida State for that fourth playoff spot. And that's a big deal. You got the Heisman winner out there in LA. He's, he's a dude, no question. But if they falter, that makes it even easier for the Knowles to get into the playoff. So again, my guess, Georgia will be one. Either Michigan or Alabama will be two. Then the other will be three. Probably Knowles at number four. I think Ohio State moves down. I just don't think they're great. Even if Clemson does beat Duke, and it's a good Duke team, I just don't think they're going to be able to stay up there. Penn State played pretty well, but they beat West Virginia. That's not a big deal. Notre Dame's 2-0, and but they haven't beat anybody. Let's wait and see on that. Again, no way around it. Out of the merit category, this is what I like to grade things on. Nobody's got to win like Florida State over LSU. So I'm, I'm looking at it objectively. I'm not saying that everybody does the same, but, you know, it is what it is. College football season is here, and this season Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Locked On College YouTube channel. It's on every one of them. So if you went to the Florida State one, you went to the Ole Miss, you could go to any one you wanted. 11 a.m., 1 p.m. We're going to discuss all of the following. Rankings, recruiting, big matchups, injuries, Heisman Trophy, you name it, those kinds of things. I was on the show this past week on Friday talking about the Florida State LSU game. I had picked LSU to get beat 41 to 38. I obviously gave them a couple too many touchdowns, but I did pick the Knowles to win. We're going to look at it from a perspective. It's a little bit broader than what most channels would do. So our stable of locked on college hosts covering every team every day, find locked on college football. Now, going into the segment three here in a second, right before I do, we're going to talk about some of the things they need to accomplish against Southern Miss. Now, after beating a team like LSU, you're probably like, no, no, no. I guarantee you Monday's practice was not fun. I guarantee you that it was difficult because you have to refocus kids. That's what we're going to talk about in segment three. And there's some areas like penalties in particular at half. Here's a stat for you. LSU zero penalties or a couple they should have had. LSU zero penalties. Florida State, meanwhile, six for 59, including multiple 15-yard, like unsportsmanlike late hit kind of deals. Undisciplined teams generally do not get away with that. Jordan Travis in, in that incredibly big play offense and the three fourth down stuffs by the Florida State defense. And oh, by the way, some guy named Keon Cole. He was pretty good too. 
just in case you didn't know. But all of those things together, we're still going to talk about some of the things that are really important in segment three because this team is nowhere near its ceiling. I, I promise you it is not. And I'm not trying to, to say they're not very good because they are. I think they're a college football playoff team. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's the best team they can be right now. They have a little bit more that they can go. So let's let's see what we can do with one more game, maybe two, to kind of get these ironed out. I'm hoping it's this week, but realistically, sometimes it takes a little longer than that. So you'll have to you have to kind of play it along because these are college kids, by the way. These are these are not pros. All right. FanDuel. FanDuel, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet five bucks, get 200 on bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube or YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can do everything from spreads on your players, different kinds of player props, parlays, whatever it is you want to do. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel. It's an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, the last thing that I want to go over once again, just to say it, we're going to talk about one of the most important things that championship teams do, and it's something I like, but I'm a football crazed guy. I get into the details a little more on some, but I urge everybody to understand this category is the difference between winning and losing. And it's something that it's at the crux of like what Belichick and Saban talk about. Uh, I was around Urban Meyer before he even became a head coach. He was this guy. Most of the great coaches, they have this mentality. Are we disciplined in each phase of the game, special teams, defense and offense? And that includes during the play and after. In other words, don't hit guys late. Don't do dumb things and finish plays outside the realm of penalties to make yourself better. So I want to talk, number one, about penalties. I mentioned it right before the end of segment two. Can't have the dumb penalties like they did. They got away with some flat out, and then they did it by stoning LSU, sometimes in the red zone, et cetera. They did a poor job of getting them in those spots in the first place. They may have stalled some drives. They may have been ahead at halftime if it wasn't for some boneheaded decisions. No safe way around this. Can't happen. I guarantee you that was a talking point for Mike Norvell, every member of his staff, and quite frankly, it should be, and that also includes the strength staff, et cetera. You have to be consistent. You can't miss on those. You cannot miss on those. You have to find a way to be consistent. So make sure that if you're going to do it, Take a shot on a guy to say he has to be definitively inbound. In today's society, if it's close, it's going the offensive player's way. It's just, it just is. So I hope they got the message through and they got lucky with it. With the penalties, I just I know I'm beating this to death, but it's it's gonna cost. Like you do that at Clemson. What are the chances of you winning that game if you have 59 penalty yards in the first half? giving them 15-yard chunks at a time. Not very good. So make sure that you understand they got away with one here. The Knowles got away with one. Two, just execution in general. There were a few plays that either Jordan missed, a block was just completely whiffed on. 
mental errors. They happen in, in games that go across many different spectrums, no matter your wishbone team from the 1960s or whatever, guys miss stuff. Still, There's still room to get it better. I haven't went back through the game completely and looked at everything, but I don't really think there's a need. I mean, they played well enough. They scored over 40. If you take the penalties out, they might have won by 30-plus by points. I'm just concerned on whether or not they really want to be great or they want to coast here. These next two games, we're going to find out how great Florida State is. They don't play an elite team before they play Clemson. Can you be as mentally locked in against a team that just flat out isn't as good as you? Number one. And then number two, once you get a lead in that game, offensive execution, not screwing around on punt protection, whatever, and burying that team so that the underclassmen and reserves get in the game no later than the middle of the third quarter. I mean, you obliterate them. That's one thing the old school Florida State teams did under Bowden. It was 38 to three with six minutes to go in the third quarter. And some guys coming in the game, you know, a receiver that's a decent player or whatever, might have been third teamer by that point. You know, guys like Snoop Menace weren't, you know, wasn't everybody. They had guys all over the place, but, you know, they'd sit them down and younger guys play. It helped them for the next year, too. It also helps guys stay fresh, especially playing in the heat of Tallahassee, Death Valley, et cetera. So I think that's the key. And we're also going to know it just by the mental preparedness, how sharp they are, penalties, dropping passes, no more of that. Obviously, Johnny Wilson's got to stop that. If he wants to play in the NFL, that cannot happen. I don't care if he's 6'7", 237 or not. He will get cut if he keeps dropping balls. The NFL guys do not care. It's a different animal. It is a whole bunch of check boxes. Right now, he's not fitting those consistently because he makes the difficult play and then he gives up an easy 7-10 yard play where he beat his guy, he did his job, and then doesn't finish. He looks away too quick. Whatever it is, Johnny has to make that make that play. Defensively, I was pretty happy about the tackling in general, but they had a couple of busts. I mean, they just wide open. The running play right before the end of half, that can't happen. Can't happen. And the same thing with the opportunity on the pass down the side. I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, you just can't have guys running scot-free down the sidelines. They got lucky to bump him out. Then they did a good job there at the end, but that can't happen. Again, you, you do that against Clemson two times in a row. You do those kinds of plays, you're going to lose one of them, especially playing that game on the road at Death Valley. That's not exactly a friendly place to play, and it's not like the Knowles have had a lot of success against them here recently. So I just want you to kind of think about that. The only other thing that I want to mention before getting out of here today, we're looking at a little bit of a stretch for Florida State probably is going to get a little less attention. That's okay. Before the Clemson game, I would rather they kind of laid low. Less attention will be good. Let them just focus on going to school, going to practice and playing. Less media is probably good. They handled it well against LSU. That was encouraging. A veteran team should. A couple of weeks before you get to Clemson, take care of business. Do what you should do. Be smart. Don't do anything off the field. Get yourself in trouble. Go play Clemson and it's potentially a top five game, top seven, probably for sure. That's what college football is all about. Some of the best games I've ever seen are Clemson, Florida State, and why not this year as well? I think it has a chance to be fantastic. Thank you once again to everybody. I appreciate you coming to see us every single day here at the Locked On Network, part of the Locked On Seminoles podcast here is just growing the community. I love it, and I look forward to doing it for a long time. So please, everybody, come back and see us. 
YouTube, Spotify, wherever you can find us. Please let me know if I can help you in any way. Thank you very much. Take care.